what I really want dentists to do is really understand the strategy that they need to implement within their organizations. Um, and I want them not to conflate tactics with strategy. The Dental Brief is brought to you by Omni Premier Marketing and the amazing guests who bring wisdom and advice that you can put to use to take your business and practices to the next level. Find us on Facebook and join the conversation. Get ready to grow because we are kicking off the next episode in three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. Have with us a terrific doctor. Um, I think a lot of people know uh, who Dr. Hendrik Lai is, but I'm going to introduce him. Dr. Lai, say hello to everyone. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I know you're a busy guy. Um, again, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, let's real quick, um, for those that don't know you, um, you've got an amazing background. Why don't you, in a couple minutes or less, kind of give us uh, your background in dentistry? Yeah, my background in dentistry started from me being a clinician. Um, I had built up a group that uh, had a specialty limitation to oral surgery, um, worked on that, ended up disposing of that and selling it to a DSO, moving on becoming a consultant and what I call one of those most hated men in dentistry. So I actually became a C-suite executive at a dental insurance company. So I really understand the payer provider relations, not just from the provider side, but also from the payer side and from a global standpoint. Um, after doing that, I moved on to management consulting, um, working in the area of dental, medical, health and beauty, oil and gas exploration, aerospace technology and manufacturing before returning and pivoting to my roots in dentistry. So now I work with emerging groups that are looking to form DSOs and move from having an internal economy of scale to an external network effect. Amazing. So um, let me just, for, for those of you um, that don't follow Dr. Lyon social media, you just crossed the million mile barrier on Delta. Is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> so you're everywhere. You know dentists, you know oral surgeons, you know right, everywhere. EOs, yeah. you, you know people across the globe. Um, absolutely. I have a broad range of clientele ranging from startup dentists to uh, some listed um, publicly traded companies. Yeah. So let me just jump right in with a question. What What are a couple of issues that you see practice and practice owners consistently coming up to you and talking to you about when they see you at an event or a speaking event, what have you? What yeah, are they asking? Absolutely. I think one of the um, the biggest issues is that in dentistry as an industry, we're moving from a growth phase into a maturity phase of the industry. Mm -hmm. And that's leading to something called a seismic shift shakeout within the industry. What that means for dentists is that the old strategies and the old tactics which used to work during the growth phase um, within our industry no longer work. Now we're moving to a, a point where we have stagnation in cumulative revenues. We're having consolidation within not only our dental office and dental firms, um, but also within our vendors that supply us. So, you know, we saw Midway being um, recently acquired by, um, by Shine. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of that going on. And, you know, one of the things that we also see is a consolidation and a move to something called a monopsony, which is a the opposite of a monopoly where you have one person producing the good, where a monopsony is where you have one buyer. So what we're seeing is the increased um, power of insurance companies as a whole to actually be the, the main purchasers of dental, um, dental uh, services. The downside of that is we're also seeing stagnation 
in the reimbursement rates which are um, being provided by dental insurance companies across the board. Sure. I, I'm a believer at 48 years old, and this is something that's really just kind of come into um, my hemisphere, if you will, in the last year or so, that I believe that everybody on the planet is here to help you. Every organization is here to help you, right? And of course, there's going to be some um, exceptions to that rule, but insurance companies certainly can help dentists, can't they? Yeah, certainly. I think the uh, we have a very fractious relationship as a dental industry with the insurance companies. Um, and certainly, you know, the insurance companies are there to service their members as well as, you know, provide some level of um, interaction with the dentist as part of that servicing of their members. Yep. Now, you know, insurance companies aren't as a whole, you know, the, the, the puppy kickers um, that, we, that we think they are. Um, you know, when we look at it objectively over, um, over a very, very large aggregate number, you know, the, the, something called the dental loss ratio, which is the amount of every premium dollar which an insurance company takes in, which is paid out as a benefit, is about 71%. So 71 cents in every premium dollar they're taking is paid out as a benefit. When you layer on top of that broker costs of about nine-ish percent, um, and then premium incomes of a, a premium sort of income tax of about two percent, means that there's only eighteen percent left to run the company and make a profit to be able to reinvest into the company. Right. So, um, you know, what that means for us is that um, when we consider the management expense ratio is about fifteen or sixteen percent, so they spend about fifteen or sixteen percent to run the company, which is actually quite reasonable when you think about it. Sure. Um, that only leaves about 2% of, um, of premium revenue available to have as a profit. So, and that's pre-tax um, profitability. So it's actually a very, very low profit gain. Now to put that in terms of dollars and cents, um, what it means is that every month, the insurance companies for your average dental premium have $4.18 to run and administer each individual account, plus mm. make some profit. Right. And as we know, $4.18 doesn't buy you much labor these days. Right, yeah, 100%. So um, sh shifting a little bit in the conversation, I think that's a really, um, that's great information. I think something that every dentist should know, whether they're loving their insurance companies, which few are, uh, or, or hating them, which many of them are. I think that's pretty important information to know and to figure out how they can use dental insurance to help them, the insurance companies to help them build their practices and then yes, how they absolutely. can get it and navigate a way to increase their profits. I think that's a good thing. When you talk about the future of dentistry, right? When we think about the future of transportation, it's pretty easy, right? We had the wheel, right? We had horseshoes, right? We had covered wagons, we had cars, planes, right? And so on and so forth. Where's, where do you see dentistry going or where is it right now that dentists don't know they're at yet. So in other words, is the future here already? And what do people think is coming in the future that has actually arrived today? Yeah, there's certainly two aspects of where we're going in the future. One is that there's no evidence to show that the consolidation within dentistry is going to slow down. Now, part of that consolidation to be successful is that you have to become something called an aggressive amalgamator, which means that you need to reduce your input costs, you need to eliminate duplication, you need to look at centralization of your services and move towards a, a cost leadership style position. Now, what does that mean for us? In dentistry, we've historically been very, very labor intensive. Um, you know, we've employed people 
rather than employ capital. Part of that shift now means moving away from being a labor advantaged industry towards a capitally advantaged industry, which means investing in automation, investing in artificial intelligence, investing in things that can be done by computers and be done automation, leaving those non-programmed decisions or those hard decisions to humans rather than doing those program decisions where two plus two always equals four. So that's what's coming down the pipeline. You know, are we there yet? No. You know, artificial intelligence and dentistry hasn't sort of taken off at the speed we'd like to see it at. Sure. But we are definitely seeing a lot of organizations begin to invest in development of artificial intelligence and integration of um, artificial intelligence and machine learning into their workflows. So and we see AIs coming in as far as insurance companies and reimbursement and detecting um, treatment, right? And then the need for treatment that that's happening right now. What's another area that you see AI or automation that, or, or you know, a better question? What's one thing that practices could automate today? The technology's there, but they're just haven't done it yet. Yeah, I think one of the big areas at the moment is revenue cycle management. You know, basically cash flow, let's call it. And what we're seeing is this convergence between revenue cycle and accounts receivable on one hand and accounts payable on the other hand. Obviously, being able to understand the money coming in versus the money coming going out is vital for any business. So being able to automate the um, revenue cycle management side of your business, you know, for example, um, submission of third-party claims um, and understanding and using AI to, um, to review um, EOBs and ERAs to determine why maybe a claim wasn't submitted and using AI, AI to optimize your clean claims rates, which will reduce your revenue cycle and improve your cash flow. Mm. That's awesome. So that's, that's fantastic. Let me ask you, I've had on the show a few, few um, times recently, um, and I'm beginning to be more and more of a believer of using outsourcing, right, which is still using people. Do you see that as being something that practices should be taken, uh, taking advantage of right now? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of good points to outsourcing as well as bringing things in-house. Now, the ability to outsource helps to reduce input costs up to a point. And when I say input costs, the biggest input cost in dentistry is going to be labor. You know, payroll is always the biggest um, cost that we have in our dental offices. Sure. Now, there's also benefit to bringing um, some of these things back in-house when you get to a certain size. So again, maybe let's return to the example of, um, of revenue cycle management. Now, when you know there's a lot of benefit in outsourcing to a point, but conventional wisdom tells us that you should be really considering bringing things back in-house and centralizing once you reach a, a revenues or top-line revenues, let's call it collections in, in dentistry, sure. about $10 million. So yes. Um, Outsourcing to a point makes a lot of sense, but once you once you achieve something called an external economy of scale, where you have network effect, it's worth bringing things back in house. And as a rough number, that's about ten million dollars in top line revenue. Depending on your specific payer mix and your service mix, that could be upwards to fifteen to sixteen million dollars, though. But as a rule of thumb, ten million dollars. Yeah. So your uh, experience um, in the financial side of the business is. Amazing. I mean, you're kind of the, the Warren Buffett, if you will, of dental finances as I see it, right? I think you have a really high level of uh, wisdom, knowledge, understanding in that area. Um, so I want to ask you this question. And uh, this is uh, this, I see this on 
groups all the time on Facebook where they talk about pricing and pricing their services. And I think the mindset of most people in this country, even business owners in this country, is that you price based off of margins, right? So you figure out what something costs you and then you decide what the margin should be or how much profit that you should make and then that's what you charge. But that's not really the way that most corporations figure out what their pricing on a product is gonna be, is it? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, certainly that what you're calling um, a cost plus model of pricing, some yeah. corporations do use. Um, other corporations use something called a discount to retail where you say, oh, Dr. Jones down the street is charging $2,000 for Invisalign, so I'm gonna charge $1,800 for Invisalign. And you know, as you become more sophisticated, you can move to other pricing models um, based around activities-based um, costings, where each individual activity within your workflow contributes a certain cost. And then you can layer on top of that costing associated with the behavioral economics uh, side of things, where you begin to be able to use specific biases of your um, of your client, of your sort of target customers, for example, you know, risk aversion to, um, leading to loss or risk um, uh, risk taking around uh, risk taking around loss and risk aversion for gains, uh, availability bias, all all sorts of behavioral economics um, uh, sort of theory to to enhance your pricing to optimize the return that you'll get. Now, people talk about the the eighty twenty rule. I'm not sure you've heard of that. You know, where twenty percent of you know your services result in 80% of your um, of your revenue. In dentistry, um, that is actually closer to 70-30, where 30% um, results in 70%. And you actually have a decent level of wastage around 30% where there's a, a ton of work that goes into it. And that's sort of based on the, not just the purely what's called homo economicus sort of mind frame that dentists have, but there's also an aspect of you know, needing to fulfill certain ethical obligations, like seeing emergency patients, um, even though the services you might provide might be low margin. You know, seeing follow-up care, seeing some of these reviews. Um, so rather than 80-20 in dentistry, it's closer to 70-30. Yep. Awesome information. Uh, a lot to unpack there, obviously, and, and 15 minutes is not nearly enough time. Um, so let me just ask this last question. Um, tell us about Sage Dental Consulting and, and who you work with. Who's an ideal client for you? Yeah, Sage Dental Consulting is a full-service dental management consulting organization. We work with um, clients ranging from startup dental practices, as I said, all the way to um, listed companies that do, you know, over a billion dollars in revenue. Our you know, ideal customer profile is the group that's looking to become an emerging DSO, which means in terms of revenue, somewhere between three to $5 million, um, let's say between three to five locations where you've achieved an internal economy of scale. So you, each individual location is doing about 1.2 to $1.3 million, but it's becoming so unwieldy to manage that you need to incorporate a top line corporate layer but because your cash flow is not enough to sustain that corporate layer, you need to scale quickly to achieve an external economy of scale, which is you get to it around 14 to 15 locations, so somewhere between 10 and $16 million in top line revenue. Um, that's, that's where we thrive. That's where we help people scale, grow, and optimize their efficiency, as well as more importantly than efficiency, their effectiveness. As I tell my clients, now you can be the 
you can be the, the Tom Brady of football. That doesn't help you when the game is basketball. So you need to understand what the game you're playing is before you try to be efficient at doing something. As you know, as has always been said, there's nothing more wasteful than doing something efficiently that shouldn't be done at all. Yeah, awesome advice. Dr. Lai, thank you so much for being on the program. We really appreciate you. I want to, and um, I'll come back to you here in just a sec, but I want to uh, encourage our audience to check out your web- website. Um, it is uh, sagedentalconsulting.com. Follow them on social media too. Tons of free content out there. So a lot of wisdom, a lot of information. He's everywhere. So uh, check it out. You can learn a lot. Dr. Lai, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Patrick.